And we are live. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 83 of Checkpoint, your hottest and not modest show. Number right. one. Number one, we wrote also. Number one. We, are, we, we wrote we number, are number one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Rounding up all the hottest gaming news stories of the week and discussing all the relevant topics you need to know about. I'm one of your hosts, Vincent DeSantis, joined today by the brand new Sopranos convert, James Walmer. James, that is me. How you doing, dude? I'm doing good. How you doing? How you doing? That's what he says. I'm doing great. Good. It's a good week. Good. What have you been playing this week? How you doing? How you feeling? It's almost your birthday it's coming up here. It's almost my birthday. Tuesday's my birthday. Uh-huh. Pretty so crazy. Next time we see him, James will be a whole year older. Okay. 22. 22. 22. 22. Uh, what have I been playing? Uh, last Friday after the show, I, uh, I impulse bought Persona 5 Strikers. God bless you. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Just a lot of smiles, like getting reintroduced to the characters and getting, being reacquainted with them, and it just feels just like Persona Five. Good. Um, just in terms of like the faithfulness to uh, the atmosphere and the way everything feels, it just feels more like clean and pristine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got the different fighter system or fighting system. It's not the turn based. It's yeah. the oh shoot, I forgot the genre of the game that it is but it's like that dynasty warriors type yeah type beat it's like it's like when we say the uh souls like game it's a dynasty warriors type type game you know yeah I mean? there's like a word for it. it's like a mugen <laughs> yeah game something something like that i know i've heard it before but i'm not sure because i also don't think i've ever played like a game to in its entirety that's like that i haven't either i've never like the only one i played was the dynasty warriors gundam okay. demo for the ps3 yeah I used to go in there uh, and to GameStop (coughs) while my parents were grocery shopping. Yep. And just post up at the little, like, the little station with the TV. Yeah. Just play that bad boy for, like, 15, 20 minutes over and over again. Time just flew by. Time flew by. (laughs) Amazing. What can I say? Been playing anything else this week? Uh, Maybe I jumped into a little bit of Death Loop, but it was mainly a Persona 5 Strikers. That was the big one I sank hours into. Nice. Um, As for me... I played some Kenna on stream, um, which was super, super fun. I'm loving Kenna. Uh, I just know is it's... Is it Kenna or Kenna? It is... It's... It's Kena. It's Kena. Ke- it's like Kena. It's like Kena. Yeah. Kena. Gotcha. So, Kena Bridge of Spirits or something. But mm. Kenna sounds great, so I just say Kenna. Uh, but it's really good. I'm enjoying it. It's super fun. It's hard as F. I did my first boss battle in that, and it was disgusting disgustingly hard on this is your reintroduction into souls games i had to do it like five or six times Mm -hmm. it's just priming you but it was good i was like i love that like i was learning the mechanics of the boss i was like okay i'm a little bit better this time sometimes i wasn't because i would take an early hit or something and that sucked i just restart all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff um so that was good and then yesterday james i played 25 minutes of new world 25 minutes wow which was very hard because it's an MMO and it was very expensive to try to get in 25 minutes. Yeah, you're not doing a lot in 25 minutes. But it went by like that. Let me tell you, it was so much fun. And I think it's going to be dangerous for me. This game is going to be very dangerous for me. I already can see how it could sink. It could sink in me very easily. Mm-hmm. I'm in the starter area. You like, you're in like a ship and the ship crashes. You wake up on a beach. There's a bunch of monsters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have to. that's how it's like training you with the combat and yep. how the, use the moves. And I got to like... I just beat, like, the first couple guys and made my character and then met this quest giver person. And I did, like, one, I don't know, tiny little quest, like right? fetch quest? Yeah. No, it wasn't even fetch quest. It was, like, oh, yeah, it was a fetch quest. Yeah, it was, like, <laughs> go, down, it was like go down the beach, search these boats, um, and then come back to me, and I'll give you this, yep. this uh, chess piece. I was, like, amazing. I got the chess piece, leveled up a little bit. I'm, like, mm, felt good to level up, dude. <laughs> felt good. I got a bow and arrow. I don't have any arrows yet, but this will be... I, I'm... I'm excited to play more. I think it's going to be cool. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. It's like an MMO-ass game. It is definitely. Um, I can't wait to play with people when server uh, stuff comes out. So, like server like transfer. Big stuff? Dude, people were, they were telling me about wars yesterday. Oh, yeah, they're huge. There's like, there's days of preparation, and then you have to be on at a certain time to go to war for a territory. That sounds epic. I can't wait to get on that, mm-hmm. like that type stuff. So, yeah, we'll see. I, again, I've like literally barely scratch the surface and with an mmo i haven't even scratched the surface i've basically just looked at the thing so mm. we'll see uh but that's it i haven't had any time to play death loop this week um or anything bloodborne. else for that matter but today or bloodborne i did we did play bloodborne for okay. all of two minutes it was two minutes 
and then Vin got discouraged. I got discouraged because here's the thing, everybody. I need everybody to know that there's a PlayStation trophy on my account that I did not earn myself. It says I beat the Cleric Beast, and that's a lie. James beat the Cleric <laughs> Beast for me, and I don't feel good about it. So I need to restart Bloodborne so I can beat the Cleric Beast to feel good about it. I hope I, I, I'm glad I got this off my chest. Gotta start a whole new profile. I guess just so. to get the pro, uh, trophy. Again. I guess so. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of news this week. Actually, we were like, well, it's a lot of big stories. I think a lot of big stories. Uh, usually, it's like a couple big stories, and then a lot of a lot of filler. Like it, you know, mm-hmm. I say a lot of it's big stories all the way through today. Um, so let's jump right into it, as these YouTubers say. Okay, I saw a funny meme. And I was like, "YouTuber breaks his leg by jumping right into it." <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <clears throat> James, start us off. What we got this morning? Hot off the press this morning is Rockstar Games announces the Grand Theft Auto trilogy re-release with new improvements. This comes from Michael McWhorter, Polygon. Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas are being updated and re-released on modern platforms later this year, Rockstar Games announced Friday, today, confirming a series of leaks. The trio of groundbreaking GTA games will co- oh, will, no. be collected. will be collected as Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> the trilogy, the definitive edition, and will feature improved visuals and other enhancements. Rockstar's collection promises, quote, across-the-board upgrades including graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements for all three games, while still maintaining the classic look and feel of the originals. Rockstar promises more details in the coming weeks and warns that it will begin removing existing versions of those classic GTA games from digital retailers next week. For our audio listeners, Vin just gave a big thumbs down. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Grand Theft Auto Trilogy, the definitive edition, is coming to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Windows PC via the Rockstar Games Launcher, which I didn't know existed, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X in 2021. The collection is also coming to Android and iOS devices in 2022. The release of Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto the Trilogy, the definitive edition, odd title, is timed with the 20th anniversary of Grand Theft Auto 3's original release on PlayStation 2. Rockstar said on its website that it plans to celebrate the anniversary in Grand Theft Auto Online, promising commemorative clothing and libraries, and teasing some unusual activity occurring in and around southern San Andreas. Alright, so does this mean Grand Theft Auto Online is going to have a Fortnite-type event about... GTA 3 and then it's going to transfer into this next gen version <laughs> of GTA 5 online. I hate that now all just special in-game events are, are Fortnite related, are Fortnite related yeah, because horrible. it's really not the case. It's not. But they did do a big. Fortnite did do a big and I have to give them it. Yeah. They changed I think that they, they did the first what wait huge live event. Are you inferring that there's going to be another like Grand Theft Auto Online. No, no, that was me. That was me just making. I was making fun of GTA Online. Okay. I think it's gonna be damn near identical, just maybe a little graphically upgraded or something. For what Grand Theft Auto Online? Yeah. Well, they already said. Yeah, they already said they were doing that. That's coming in November. Right. Exactly. Did you spill your water? No, I just dropped the water. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. November, I guess. Well, is there anything else that has to go? No, this is coming soon. There's no release date on this. All right, so here's what I got. Here's what I got. I am not happy about Rockstar's decision to remove these ports of the original games on consoles. I'm not either. I don't think that's a good move at all. Um, Are they also removing the original ports from Steam? Like, that does not make any sense either. They would be. I have have San Andreas on Steam. Well, obviously they're not going to take it away if you own it. It's dumb. It's that is dumb to me. Um, I don't like that. I think that there is a place for the original port plus this remastered edition. You know I agree. I, mean? I, I kind of. I guess they're deleting it to get hype. I guess for this next thing. I don't know. Yeah, I guess they're just taking. It's just an opportunity for them to make money again. Like hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They're just gonna. because what they're gonna do is it'd be cheaper to buy all three of these ports because they're just fucking ports. And it's twenty five bucks. Yeah, or something, something like that. that. Yeah, for all three of them. And then, but for the trilogy, the definitive edition, That's whole sixty seventy dollars. Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna charge it because they're like, oh, it's remastered and it's you know gameplay enhancements right. and all these things. It's a modernized version. Now, I, I will say for Vice City especially, I don't know how crazy the remasters are gonna be on any. Of these. I don't know. I don't either. But I really don't know. I think Vice City has the potential to look really, really cool. Well, it says including graphical improvements yeah. and modern gameplay enhancements. So it feels because it says 
that are still maintaining the classic look and feel of the originals. Right. So it's going to be punch, 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 money drop, money drop, money drop. Yes. Love that. Yeah. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to see. But I'm actually, I'm excited to see what they look like because I do have like a fresh picture in my mind of like, this is what San Andreas looks like. You know what I mean? Like, what is this going to look like? Oh, shit. Here we go again. So explain to me one thing, Ben. Hit me. As someone who never played Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, what's the point of remastering San Andreas when GTA V exists? I, I don't know. Also, I think San Andreas is still fun. Like, you can play San Andreas right now without remastered stuff and have a good time. It's not like it. It's not like it sucks to play or anything. Especially if you played it a long time ago, which I know you haven't. Um, there is that nostalgic feel to it, mm-hmm. but it it doesn't. I guess it does feel like a PS2 game or whatever, whatever it released on. Yeah, PS2. I guess, I don't really know what these, I would have to see these upgrades to see if this is a worthwhile exchange, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I'd rather them be working on GTA 6, because regardless, I think these remasters are going to be like, oh, now it looks like a PS4 game instead of a PS2 game. I want GTA 6 to look like a PS5 game, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I, I don't really care about like these half steps bringing them forward, like the game's playable right now. What if they just don't know what the fuck they're doing for GTA 6? That is a pot- that is a potential thing. That is possible. What if they're like, we have no idea what we're doing, so we're just going to do these remasters? Do you think that this announcement comes because... For, well, not because, but GTA 6 is... We know it's far out. We know it's far away. It's is this the Titus 23? Dude, people were saying... Uh, I loved it, like during E3 and stuff. Uh, they're like, oh, Rockstar announced something every this many years at E3, so they're going to release or announce GTA 6 at this E3, that kind of thing. Obviously no GTA. But because they're working on this remaster now, they're working on uh, getting GTA 5 to next gen. I don't know. They're doing too much. I just want GTA 6. Like, that's it. That's and, all I want. No, no. I want GTA 6, and I want Red Dead Online to be better than it is. It's not going to happen. Because Red Dead Online is so good. It has the potential to be so good. Fell off the train. Red Dead 2's a masterpiece, everybody. An effing masterpiece. Okay, do you have anything else to say about GTA? I got nothing. Okay, I'm excited to see a trailer, though. Mm-hmm. Up me next. It's, you said me too. I just said me too. Oh, sorry, I thought I cut you off. My bad. Um, Twitch has been hacked wide open, baby. When I say wide open, I mean it's a, it was a huge hack. James, it should show. this week was a really bad week for cybersecurity everywhere, I think. Yep. Uh, we had a lot of hacks going on, a, little, a lot of downtime on some internet socials. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, yeah, it was bad. This comes from Pushware. Twitch TV, the largest online platform for live streaming games and other content, has apparently been leaked in its entirety. As reported for VGC, an anonymous, leak, anonymous hacker has posted a large torrent on 4chan, reportedly containing a huge amount of information not intended for the public. The leak apparently includes, it says apparently, but all these are true, so I don't, I don't, really, know, <laughs> I don't really know why they're putting that. The leak includes the site's source code, payout reports from 2019 for the top 100,000 creators, the mobile desktop and console apps, and an unreleased Steam competitor named Vapor, and much more, which I think is very clever, Steam and Vapor, I, or maybe that's a no. working title. Well, if it's a competitor, I feel like it's just an original. Yes. It's, def- <laughs> it's a rip. It's a rip. It's, it's a not rip. Even, yeah. It's bootleg Steam. I would assume it's a working title. Um... Some people would. Some people who have been digging into the torrent are saying there's a risk the leak could also include account information such as encrypted passwords. To be safe, we'd suggest you change your password as soon as possible and enable two-factor authentication if you have not already. I changed my password, and you should too, because you never know. Uh, this attack on the Amazon-owned website is apparently to foster, quote, foster more disruption and competition into the online video streaming space, which makes no sense how this goes about it. Um... And is at least in part a reaction to the, quote, disgusting and toxic community. Twitch has been awash with hate raids lately, a practice that sends abusive bot accounts to other streamers. The site has been criticized for slow action against this sort of behavior. Very true. The hacker is allegedly planning to reveal more information and further leaks, so it seems this is not over yet. Whatever the case, cover yourselves with a quick password change um, to err on the side of caution. Um, Twitch, it took them... 10 hours but they actually tweeted about this saying that we're we know about the hack we're working on it that kind of stuff instead of like the hate raids and basically not saying anything about it for months so that's bad um for the hate raids though twitch did finally give an option if you're a streamer to turn on uh, a mode where 
you can only allow people to chat if they have an email verified with their account. So that helps, mm. um, but it's still not doing everything and Twitch needs to find the people that are the source of the hate, hate rates. Yeah. That's awful. Um, but yeah, ch- just change your passwords on Twitch. It's easy, it's quick, and you definitely don't want personal information getting out there. Right. Especially if you do stream and you have uh, like... PayPal pay- connected. Yeah, we know about PayPal. We had a big kerfuffle with PayPal this week. Yeah, we, we won't get into that. We won't get into it. <sighs> What's next? Sora is the final Smash Bros. Ultimate Fighter joining the roster. Nintendo has revealed that Sora is the final fighter joining the roster of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This news was announced today, which was yesterday? Two days ago. Two days ago, Wednesday. As a part of the final Sakurai Presents. And the final... Sorry, I had to make sure I said Sakurai's name right. Sakurai's a legend. Yeah, he is. And the reveal came as a major surprise, but not because fans didn't want Sora. In fact, Smash Bros. Ultimate director... Oh, Masahiro Sakurai yep. revealed that Sora has been the most requested fighter to date. That's wild to me. Yeah. I didn't think so, but... I, I knew it was. Okay. People were so up in arms about wanting Sora. Yeah. Next to Master Chief and Doom Guy. Yeah. When Nintendo sent out the Super Smash Bros. fan roster request survey back in 3DS and Wii U Smash days, Sora was the fighter fans wanted the most. It took six years, but the day is finally here. Sora is now a fighter in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It'll be available for purchase on October 18th, the same day as the game's three new Mii Fighter costumes become available. Like previously released fighters, Sora can be purchased individually for $5.99 or as a part of the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Fighter Pass Volume 2, which costs $29.99. Yep. Um, And the Mii Fighter costumes are... um, One of them is Doom Guy. Really? Yeah, one of them is Doom Guy. Oh, that's awesome. I had no idea. And the other two are just like other things that are not okay as significant um the trailer reveal of this was hype as hell mm-hmm. the gift that was made of it's like sora flies in or whatever and then lands and then mario's right here all the characters are behind him and they shake hands in the middle and there's a giant smile in the big back. ass hands yeah giant ass mario glove and then little sora hand it is epic it, it is, is really like great top tier nintendo stuff there's all the memes about like how the keychain on the uh, on the fucking keyblade yeah. costed more than the entire thing. <laughs> they have a close up of like Mickey they just Mouse. have a, yeah they just have a yeah. close up of the Mickey Mouse. I can imagine that was expensive. Oh yeah, um, but this is high, dude. I'm, that's very exciting. It's super super exciting. Um, I'm sad that there's no more characters coming to Smash. I feel like they could just keep going. They really could just keep going. More maps, more music, more characters. Mm-hmm. It, this game could never die. Potentially, well, I think they just want to. They would put out a new one. Totally. Which start fresh. Which makes sense, but... Uh, a lot of game devs could take a cue from that. Looking at you, Destiny. To make a new game? Make a new game. But a lot of people are happy with Destiny right now. No, they need a new engine. They did. They upgraded to No, Snow. they need a new engine. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I guess so. I guess they need a new engine. They need a new engine. Um, I can't wait to play Sora. But we'll have to wait till October 18th, which yep. is pretty soon. Ten days. Mm-hmm. Oh, also right now on the Nintendo Store, yes. if you purchase the Fighter Pass before, or like any of the other characters before October 18th, you get double your coins. Like, you know the coins you get when you oh. buy stuff and, and that's for like in-store cash back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get double the coins. Okay. That's kind of nice. That's really nice. So I think I'm going to buy the Fighter Pass for 30 bucks. get double the coins I normally would, so then I can use that for, like, Metroid Dread or something. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. That sounds like a plan and a half. Mm-hmm. So to buy both Fighter Packs is going to be 60 bucks, huh? Yep. Sure hurted. Which is why it hurts less if you bought the first Fighter Pass when it came out. I did not. And then you buy the second. Because then you're like, oh, it's $30. Yeah. But I'm hoping they just bundle these like forty bucks both both. Passes. They're never gonna do it. Do you know why? It's because, Nintendo because it's Nintendo, and yeah, Nintendo never. can get away with doing anything they want That's monetarily. Right. They literally because people will just pay money for it. Yep, including a new Smash game in the next. Uh, it, it, normally, it's every like console generation. Yeah. So they did one for Wii, they did one for Wii U, and they're doing one for the Switch. And then when the Switch 4K comes out, <laughs> I'm still think... crossing my fingers. All right, hold on, let's get crazy for a sec. <laughs> let's get crazy. So the Switch. We have the Switch OLED that comes out yeah, today. that doesn't count. Right. This is like what I would consider the mid-console refresh. Yeah. Is the Switch a... 4K obviously probably going to be titled something else? Is that going to be the next generation of console? You know I what agree. I mean? First, I think for Nintendo. W- I think it would be. That will be considered like their next thing. I think the Switch is huge. The Switch is so big. So. And I think epic. 
I think it would be like this current state of like the PS4, PS5 generation of like the people who are really hardcore about like wanting bigger experiences yeah. are going to get the Switch 4K, quote unquote. Yeah. And then I think the Switch is still going to function for most people who already have a Switch. Totally. For those people, like similar to how a lot of people still have like Wii's in their yeah in their living room sure. and it works for them yeah switch is gonna still be that same thing it's like how the ps3 is just a dedicated netflix machine in my house exactly it like just that. sits there and it works or like how Wii's are just dedicated Wii sports machines yep yep and Wii sports resort let's not forget about no Wii sports never resort. never okay. I, I, i'm just using umbrella Wii sure. sports and nintendo this is at you i want switch sports resort and switch sports ultimate that's what i want yep i i seriously it's a huge miss that we don't have a, a, a Switch is. sports game. Okay, we wait till the Wario? next Switch comes out, and then it's going to be the launch. It's going to oh be the big. God. It's going to be the biggest thing ever. Can you imagine Joy Conning? Just like we're playing golf out there, bro. Yeah, we're bowling. Yeah, we're dog fighting. You saw the the biking, the, the technology in the Mario Golf. Incredible is really insane. Switch, Nintendo, where are you at? Where I'm a, I could be a consultant on this project. I can I can I can help you guys out. This is, could be big. So call me up. But while we wait for Switch Sports Ultimate, we have a couple of releases this week. Yeah, we do. Number one that we have right now is Far Cry 6, the long-awaited, highly anticipated uh, mixed bag. That's what it is. This comes from GameSpot. We have a couple of reviews here, James. We'll just go back and forth. Number one. Also, neither of us have played Far Cry 6, so we can't speak personally on this game whatsoever. Um, but we can read these reviews from people we like. So... GameSpot gives it a 7, but it's a review in progress. So they're still working on it. Their 7 is a maybe score right now. They're still figuring it out. And they say, quote, Far Cry 6 is an often fun game that feels like it's throwing everything at you. And if you want a heap of content, Far Cry 6 is absolutely has you covered. In isolation, a lot of its elements are fun. Taken together, though, it feels a lot like desperate or disparate things that keep taking your attention back to menus and map icons and away from the fun in the story. After two dozen hours, I'm not sure I want to do all, the, all those other things. I just want to blow stuff up. That comes from Phil, Phil Hornshaw. Video Games Chronicle gave it a 2 out of 5. If you're interested in another Far Cry game that does the Far Cry stuff the way it's been doing it for 10 years, you'll probably have a good time. But if you've already hit your limit with this kind of game, Far Cry 6 is the new plus ultra of why open world game design is so badly in need of a revolution. This comes from John, Jordan Midler. And if I'm going to be honest, I would probably side with that because I'm pretty tired of open world games right now. I wish we had the review in here of the guy who said, I just can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. I just can't do it. I think that was Fanbyte, right? No. Who? Okay, we gotta look. No. IGN gives it an 8 out of 10, opposite side of the spectrum, because Video Game Chronicle literally gave it a 4. Um, so IGN, 8 out of 10, they say, Far Cry 6 is some of the most fun I've had with this series in nearly a decade. It, its cast delivers strong performances across an enjoyable story, even if it's also fairly predictable. Uh, a fairly predictable one that doesn't always land the bigger swings it tries to take. And despite some faltering new inventory mechanics and a handful of bizarre design choices, its creative weaponry makes taking down an outpost, ransacking a convoy, or even just taking a ride with a buddy has never felt better. And that's from John Ryan. Um, so John Ryan seemed to really enjoy Far Cry 6. So again, if you like this kind of stuff, you're going to love Far Cry 6. If you're tired of all of open world games it's, or first person shooters like that, this is probably going to fall off hard for or you. like the very much like the Ubisoft sort of like the yes. the formulaic oh, like oh. go um, climb these towers uncover and activate these map. points uncover this map yeah. and do these quests to like get more guns and then you do more go do the more quests and yeah. do the strongholds and like clear the stronghold to like right. push a button to yes. get this new progression thing which I'll say sometimes I'm in need of that sometimes I just need that but right now in my life, I don't need that. Here's the thing. I just think other games do it better than Far Cry, too. Sure. Like, Far Cry doesn't have that market, market corner. Like, I think Metal Gear Solid did that way better. Metal Gear Solid Five is, like, the peak of right. the going into a place, like, taking down everyone and then doing the thing. So, and then getting out. I only played Far Cry 4. That's the only Far Cry game I've played. Really? I haven't played 3. I know it's a, that's another gamer sin i got to get on. Yeah, Far Cry 3 is, like, one of the OGs. Yeah. Um, is it actually that incredible? No. Sure. I think people just like the villain yeah Voss but the villain the Voss is in this game like as in a season pass with like three villains or something mm -hmm. like that like some the multiverse of villains in the Far Cry universe or whatever the crap so yeah. um, that's interesting 
least. So I found the other review. Yeah, hit me. It's from it's from Vice's gaming oh, okay. um, outlet. Yeah. This said, this isn't a review of Far Cry 6 because honestly, I can't play this shit anymore. <laughs> I just can't do it. That's brutal, bro. Yeah, I'm going to try and find like a like a like a summarizing paragraph or something okay what's the end say um i'm gonna read these last two paragraphs okay i've pushed myself through several far Cry games now because it always felt as if there was something there just under the surface that i couldn't quite reach fighting religious extremists in montana is an appealing concept that ubisoft didn't pull off so too with all its other far Cry games with their big maps sprawling story and big themes the series tricks the player into thinking there's something interesting going on in reality behind the lushly designed jungles explosive firefights and even beyond the confused and distasteful political dimensions far cry 6 is just a storefront designed to sell you crocodile skins at five bucks a pop damn it's a shell it's a fucking shell a hollow shell that's crazy and then we just it's very opposite end of the spectrum. You either like, you either like it or you just really don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Polygon gives it no score and says Far Cry is a whole. Well, they a, don't they don't give scores yeah, to games. Sorry, thank you. But it definitely did not get the Polygon recommends. If you were wondering, no. Far Cry as a whole is frozen in time. That's a big statement, and I like that statement a lot. Yeah. The few mechanical additions in the series' latest entry don't show much improvement over what Far Cry Five or Far Cry New Dawn already have explored. And if your interest lies in the search for any semblance of proper representation, you're better off looking elsewhere. Very few examples in recent years have been able to shake off the norm or shake the norm. And if Far Cry 6 is any indication of what AAA publishers can do with a Latin American setting, painting it more as a window dressing than an actual picture worth celebrating, I would rather not see another one try. Damn. And that's from Diego uh, Arguello. Arguello. Um, so that's interesting too. And he did. He does have a big section of this. That covers um, just like exactly what he said here as the follow-up is that this game is like looking at a lens, I guess, of um, like Latin American settings and heritage and stuff like that instead of being in it. Like you're, it's like looking at it. It's like an, it's like being in it. Yeah, I see what you mean. So uh, that and that's actually a good point. If you want to go like read this article too, it's pretty good. It's a good written, very good perspective. Article. Yeah, and a good perspective. Polygon always has good, like, writers who have, like, good, unique perspectives, like, on the games they're playing. That's true. We've had a lot of, like, a lot of times when we say, like, oh, God, you got to read that whole article. And it's mm-hmm. mostly the Polygon articles. Yeah, they got great writers. Straight up. Next up, we got one of the best games of the year, I think, from what I can tell, because this is Metroid Dread, the first Metroid game in the last 20 years. Facts. No. This first one comes from GameSpot, who gave it an 8 out of 10. Yep. Uh, this is from Steven Petit. The Metroidvania genre, the Metroidvania, yeah, oh my god, why it's, can't I say it? The it Metroidvania genre moniker alone is proof that Metroid's DNA has lived on throughout the lengthy hiatus. As Samus returns Metroid Dread, it's undeniable that the series is entering on a landscape that is littered with games that are indebted to it, and in some cases, improved on it. Nevertheless, Metroid Dread is a triumphant return for the bounty hunter, in large part because it remains true to its lineage, like seeing an old friend for the first time in many years. Metroid Dread is charmingly familiar, an old school side schooler with a modern look and feel. I just want to, I just want to say, GameSpot gives that an eight out of ten, which is the same as they gave Far Cry Six. Just different, it's, different totally viewers different. though. Totally different. You're right. I just think it's, I just think it's funny. Uh, no, sorry, that's GameSpot. My bad. GameSpot gave Far Cry a seven, and it's a review in progress. I was looking at IGN. Mm. Uh, Video Game Chronicle gives it a 5 out of 5 perfect, a perfect score, saying, quote, The best thing about Metroid Dread is how it simultaneously feels staunchly loyal to the series' traditions, but also a meaningful upgrade on what came before. With that, it's both a fine conclusion to one of gaming's most beloved sagas and a glimpse at how it could yet thrive under the guidance of a studio that's proved itself as a worthy custodian. That's from Andy Robinson. That's a really well-written couple sentences right there. I also want to find one from Polygon, because we've been... Okay. Gassing up Polygon. I'll read the next one. Uh, IGN gave it a 9 out of 10. Wait, no, actually, you read this. Yes. IGN gives it a 9 out of 10, saying, quote, Metroid Dread gets so much right after so many years that I almost feel resentful that we didn't get this game and a few sequels in some steady cadence starting in 2005. But instead, I'm incredibly happy to play a Metroid that is back at the top of its game. Even though it's the latest in a decade-old series, or decades-old series, Dread has just enough clever innovation to balance its familiarity. 
The universally universally recognizable mix of tough puzzles, tougher boss fights, and ever-evolving exploration options, and intricate level design that recent games like Hollow Knight and Ori get so right has an origin point. It's Metroid. And that's from Samuel Claiborne. Polygon gives it the Polygon Recommends. Good for them. Final paragraph reads, Dread reimagines the Metroid form- format with confidence and care, and it trusts the player to make leaps along the way. While following its interwoven path of epic boss fights, satisfying upgrades, and otherworldly environments, all I could think was that this is the Metroid game I've been waiting for. It easily stands astride the best entries in the series, and I eager- eagerly await for a follow-up in the year 2040. <laughs> <laughs> One day, we'll finally get another. Yep. Um, okay. This is a new reveal this week, and I think it's absolutely hilarious. So Wait, but, Finn. Yes. Do you plan on buying either of these games? No. Really, you don't plan on buying Metroid Dread? No. I, it's, I, there's like only two or three games this like through the end of the year that I can buy. So you're never going to buy Metroid Dread. I, I didn't say that. I, I asked you if you're going to buy it. And I said, oh, and am I going to no. buy it right now? No. Also, because I literally I have so many games to play and I don't have time. So like, I, even if I bought this $60 game... When am I going to play it? I got to buy Metroid Dread. Do it. You got to do it. But you're a bigger fan of Metroid than I am, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I'm excited for it. I'm super glad it's reviewing well, and I do eventually want to play it, but it's not a day one purchase for me personally. Mm. Um, or like a must-buy, I guess. You know. Uh, when are you going to get it? you going to have a full review Hopefully for us my next birthday. week? Oh, your birthday. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. This is very funny to me. Out of the blue, fans rebel after Ubisoft's announce after Ubisoft announces Ghost Recon Frontline. This is so funny to me. This comes from VentureBeat. Um, Ubisoft today revealed its latest Tom Clancy project. Tom Clancy Ghost Recon Frontline. It's a free-to-play first-person shooter, and its flagship mode is a battle royale in the style of Call of Duty Warzone. And it definitely looks like Call of Duty Warzone and the shadiness of Breakpoint. Okay, make mix together. Frontline will put players in teams of three in 102 player matches in a location called Drakemore Island. And there they will, as the tradition with Battle Royale titles, have to duke it out with some other players in order to be the last one standing. According to Ubisoft, Frontline will have a, quote, advanced class system and a large set of tactical support tools allowing for complete freedom in strategic gameplay. It, it appears Frontline will have other non-BR modes in the future. Uh, developer Ubisoft Bucharest has promised that new modes will involve quicker or more casual gameplay, such as arena-based fights. Who wants it? James, who wants it? Because Not I'll me. tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Ubisoft has already announced another free-to-play shooter in the Tom Clancy universe. Yep. It's first-person, and it's like a team-based shooter. Yep. What? Who's looking forward to that? Nope. Not me. Have you heard anybody talk about it since the weird trailer that we got, and then uh, like content creators getting paid to write good things about it? Nope. No shot. Nope. The reaction from gamers so far has been decidedly unamused. The trailer has a huge dislike-to-like ratio, as does Ubisoft's explainer video. The comments on almost every official video are roasting Ubisoft for their decision to make this game, asserting that no one wanted a Battle Royale game (laughs) from the company. That's true, they're not wrong. It will not be able to compete with the rest of Battle Royales out there, and Ubisoft's decision to make a game may hurt the future of Tom Clancy titles, which I would definitely agree with. We Mm -hmm. We are putting a stain on the Tom Clancy name. Yes. With the last three entries. Mm-hmm. Although, I Stand By Wildlands is a fantastic game. It's not. It is a fantastic no, game. No, it's not. Totally is. It's not good. If you go to sites like Reddit, the general attitude is still unhappy. On the Ghost Recon subreddit, users are asserting that this title will kill all future interest in the series and that Ubisoft has spectacularly failed to meet the community demand. But a small vocal group of fans are most disappointed that Ubisoft appears to be making every type of Tom Clancy game except for Splinter Cell. Yeah, hate to see it. Despite it's the worst, despite fans asking for a new one. Yeah, every literally everyone is asking for it. This is what I imagine Ubisoft like the board meeting. This not the board meeting, okay. but like I imagine Ubisoft is just like this guy in like a really like dirty suit in a dark room. He's like Ew. he's like all right, what do we gotta do to make some money around here? And then the like little henchman comes in the room and is like everybody's doing battle royales, master. And he's like 
uh, we'll just do a battle royale. He switches voices. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's like multiple personalities. Does he open his trench coat and yes. it's full of microtransactions? Yes. Okay, awesome. We're really on the same page on this yes. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember months and months ago when we had a report, uh, the very long Ubisoft report about all the future titles, all their free to, they're, they're going to have this large focus on free-to-play games and stuff. I believe that this and their other Tom Clancy game are those free-to-play games they're talking about? And what a disappointment. What a disappointment. Yeah. So sad, man. So sad. I, I know Ubisoft has it in them um, to really just, like... They've been they've been in this area for years now of, like, making these same titles, right? Same titles, same type of titles. Um, Hyperscape did not land. That, they wanted that to be huge for him. It didn't land for, it. like, a minute. Oh, yeah. I mean... It was cool. I think it had a lot mm-hmm. of good ideas to it, but there's mm-hmm. no long ja- like longevity. longevity. I never felt the need to go in and play it again. It did play good though. I will. It played good. Um, yeah. But I think Riders Republic is kind of a step in. Like, okay, here we go. Yeah. But it is open world, and it's kind of the same design as their open world games in general. It's it's let's fast travel to this location, do a race, done. You could bike to any of these locations, but let's fast travel and do a race. Um, so, but I don't really know. It's you kind of can't compare it to like Far Cry or uh, Assassin's Creed or anything. So I'm not sure there. Mm-mm. But I think Assassin's or Ubisoft can like really just do something new. I'm ready for a big change, such as a big change from Assassin's Creed, um, whatever it was, like Syndicate to Origins, like mm-hmm. that big of a change. Like we're changing the gear system and everything. It plays differently. Their moral design did not change though, but their the gameplay changed. I need something that's gonna draw me in because right now it's not. That's all I got. That's out. This is a long ass article for a single point, but here we are. Let's do it. Well, there's more. There's a lot to it. Let's get it. Nintendo says it has improved Joy-Con analog sticks, but where is unavoidable? This comes from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. While the Nintendo Switch is a beloved console for many fans, one persistent technical issue has continuously plagued the device. It's Joy-Con analog controls. Reports of Joy-Con controls drifting or behaving erratically after a period of time are nothing new, and while the company still faces a class action lawsuit over the issue, Nintendo's president has apologized for the situation. Now, in a developer interview, timed alongside today's launch of the... Oh, sorry, this is like Wednesday, I want to say. When did the Switch OLED come out? Friday. Today? Right. Oh, it came out today. All right. I think so. Nintendo has addressed the issue again and said it has made improvements, but that somewhere uh, that some wear and tear is unavoidable. Saying, quote, Joy-Con controllers have a lot of different features, so we've been continuing to make improvements that may not always be visible, said Toru Yamashita, Deputy General Manager of Nintendo's Technology Development Department. It's a great title. It is. Among others, the analog stick parts have continuously been improved since launch, and we are still working on improvements. There's no explicit explicit acknowledgement of stick drift or other issues, but Yamashita gets close to it, simply stating that the original Joy-Con made for the Switch's launch, often cited as the most liable to experience issues, still passed Nintendo's quality control. The analog stick at first release cleared the, Nintendo's, cleared the Nintendo reliability test using the method of rotating the stick while continuously applying a load to it. While the same criteria as the Wii U's gamepad... With the same criteria as the Wii U gamepad's analog stick... Yamashita added, As we have always been trying to improve it as well, we have investigated the Joy-Con controllers used by the customers and repeatedly improved the wear resistance and durability. Nintendo's Joy-Con parts are custom-made, Yamashita continued, and the company has both improved the the reliability test and made changes to improve durability. These changes have already rolled out into controllers shipped with the Nintendo Switch Lite and others sold individually at the time. But Nintendo's Ko Shioda, general manager of the company's technology development division, said that somewhere was unavoidable and likened the movement seen in Joy-Con controllers to that, to the kind that wears down car tires. Makes sense, I guess. Saying, quote, car tires wear out as the car moves, as they're in constant friction with the ground to rotate, Shioda said. So with that same premise, we asked ourselves, how can we improve durability? And not only that, but how can... Uh, both operability and durability coexist. It's something we are continually tackling. The degree of weather, the degree of wear depends on factors like the combination of the materials and forms, Yamashita concluded. So we continue to make improvements by researching with which combinations are less likely to wear. In January, the European Commission released a statement outlining its potential next steps regarding Nintendo Switch Joy-Con drift, prompted by calls for it to act for it to act from its own European consumer organization, the BEUC, 
The matter is currently in the EC's hands. Um, okay. So to summarize that up, it's basically just we know Nintendo knows that the drift is a problem. They've tried to take steps to improve the problem, but it's in the design, right? And I would like they claim they take they have taken steps right. to improve the design, like okay. specifically with from the Nintendo Switch Lite release and the individual controllers sold around the time as the Nintendo Switch Lite okay. and forward. Dude, can you imagine if you got drift on your Nintendo on your Lite? You can't switch them out. You can't switch them out. That would be that would suck so bad. Yeah, that's the worst. Drift is horrible, dude. I mean, it is great living with roommates now because we can play Smash, and I have no one to play Smash with at home. You know what I mean? It's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So when we bust out Smash the other night, I'm handing out controllers, and then one of our roommates was like, "That was me." Yeah, I said this has stick drift. It has stick drift, and there it goes. One of my controllers is like, put a piece of tape on it. It's a it's gone. It's you, gone. You just can't you, use you it. Just toss it. I tried using it for Mario the other day because I forgot I didn't put the tape on it right then went right off the edge i was like no this is too frustrating like yeah. i would like i would like a new <laughs> joy con you know what i mean yeah sucks what's what's interesting to me is like i don't understand why joy con drift is such an issue in comparison to other controllers right mm. what is it about joy con yeah. specifically that is causing more instances of drift rather than yeah with playstation 5 xbox series x right xbox one ps4 controllers like my ps4 controllers all had stick drift. Really? All I don't st- think I ever had one with stick drift. Really? Which was nice. Both of mine got, like, on the right stick. Okay. Really bad stick drift. And I know there was reports a while ago about the DualSense having some stick drift. Yes. I haven't heard of that yet. Um, but I don't know all the, like, layers that are inside of this, like, how it's built. But I'm assuming since the Joy-Cons are so small, they're very light. You know what I mean? The pieces mm. must be significantly smaller to mm-hmm. be able to handle that and i'm sure they wear down faster like that mm-hmm. that seems to be like an explanation i guess but i don't really know so i actually did a little bit of research on this when i tried to fix my ps4 okay. controller stick yeah. drift so basically what it is is like the 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 joy con or the the stick has a dome on the bottom yep and that dome connects to this little like square thing yeah that like is basically the sensor right and so basically like over time like the sensor just kind of like wears oh and so. like it like it's not as it doesn't remain as tight is it like so an like actual a, like a sensor something that it moves on mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah damn that blows mm-hmm. that blows big time remember when people i i remember this in like the ps3 days for instance where those controllers had horrible drift constantly i feel like the dualshock threes people would be like oh yeah you just have to like lift like uh, pop the thing out and like push it back in a bunch of times until it starts working again. Yep. I don't know if that ever worked or not, but I always felt good doing it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is. So I did it. with my PS4 controllers. It's like I gotta never worked. I gotta do these 360 no scopes on NW2. Let me just take this in and out real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me make this work. Yep. <sighs> good times. Well, there it is. More freaking Joy-Con drift, which is just an F. As of yesterday, Bungie comes out with a statement that. You know what? How does Bungie just win so much and then lose so much just right after each other? I don't, I don't get it. understand. But here's an L. Destiny 2 will lose its beloved Forsaken location and campaign. Campaign. A huge F. Huge this F. comes from Polygon. We know that Destiny 2 is vaulting content. You know what I mean? Yeah, we do know that. I just don't know if this is the right call for what's mm-hmm. Destiny 2's best campaign is going the way of Cade 6. What a way to start the article. Wow. Big spoilers right there also. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Forsaken campaign alongside the Tangled Shore destination, which I'm okay with leaving. I'm okay. Yeah, I, I, don't I didn't really that. care about the destination. They're going into the Destiny content vault on February 22nd, 2022. So when the Witch Queen launches, which is their next big expansion. For the un- initiated. uninitiated, the Destiny con- content vault is Bungie's way of purging old content from Destiny 2 and re-adding original Destiny content back into the game. Last year, Bungie vaulted four locations, Io, Titan, Mercury, and Mars, and returned the Cosmodrome. So, they really did take out a lot. That's I didn't so, it's like, they said, all much. right, we're going to take out four locations, yeah. but give you one. And, uh, Mars was just okay. Uh, I miss Io. I kind of liked Io, I'm not going to lie. Uh, returned the Cosmodrome and several associated strikes from the original Destiny, which I like. Those are good strikes. Yeah. They're solid. Destiny's first raid also returned from the Destiny Concept Vault earlier this year and reprised format in a reprised format. I can't wait to play this. I still haven't played it yet. I'm, that's literally why I'm playing Destiny, so I can play Vault of Glass again. I love that raid so much. 
Uh, with the Witch Queen, Bungie is taking a lighter hand than it did in 2020 with Beyond Light. Players won't lose access to any major bits of endgame content like the last uh, Wish Raid or the Shattered Throne Dungeon because uh, the Shattered Realm is staying. It's not getting vaulted because I think there's too many... <laughs> There's too many important characters that come from there. Mm. So we're going to have to go back there eventually. I think that's how that works. Yep. Um, but the actual story missions for Forsaken and the destinations they take place on will be removed, which is an F because it's the best campaign. Mm-hmm. Players will also lose access to a variety of seasonal content such as Har- Harbinger. Harbinger. Harbinger, sorry, and Presage missions. Uh, I played Presage. the Harbinger. Oh, Presage missions. Oh my god. I literally... This is horrible this morning. Battlegrounds. The seasonal activity from Season of the Chosen, which I played, which is... You're not missing out if that goes away. I didn't really like that. Oh, but it won't be leaving. F. I thought it was said it was... <laughs> uh, uh, won't be leaving the game like Override and Astral Alignment. Astral Alignment is not very good. Override was pretty fun. And will instead join Proving Ground, Warden of Nothing, and other strikes in what Bungie is calling the Vanguard Operations Playlist. That's kind of cool. I guess you could take them, like, if you want to play it, they just kind of remove it. They're in its own category now. What if they have their Forsaken armor so you can grind armor there? That might be nice. I don't know. Which, they should do that for every strike then. Yes. We'll see. But Wait, are you saying, like, have armor be strike-specific? Well, I mean, that would be the best if armor yeah. strike-specific and you go higher difficulty to get more rare gear from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that would be a lot for them, which sucks, but it would be awesome. I mean... It would be even be better, though, if... Imagine there was a big strike playlist where you can just match make into any of them, doesn't matter, but also um, expansion-specific strike playlists mm. that have different gear. That would be a great first step into putting gear into each strike, but yeah, that's another thing. Bungie originally stated that, d- that the Destiny content vault will help the studio reduce content bloat and make the game easier to develop. In this announcement, the studio revealed that the removal of content during the Beyond Light era paved the way for faster patches and better loading times. This time, Bungie is essentially taking out content consumerate... Commensurate. Oh my lord. Uh, with with wood it's adding to the Witch Queen, alongside some reprised content like maps and other classic raids. To say farewell to the Tangled Shore and the Forsaken campaign, all players, free and paid, will be able to play through the campaign from December 7th to the Witch Queen's launch in fall 2022. Alongside the free campaign, Bungie will sell a new pack called the Forsaken Pack, which will include access to the Last Witch Raid. The Shattered Throne dungeon and a variety of exotics from the Forsaken era. Guardians who previously purchased Forsaken will automatically have this pack unlocked. Bungie did not reveal a price for the upcoming pack. So, I guess what that means is you will no longer be able to buy the Forsaken expansion from any marketplace. Instead, you will just be uh, buying this Forsaken pack, which yes. is not the campaign. It's just some of the endgame items, which is ass. I think if they're vaulting this, they should just add all this to the free stuff. Mm-hmm. to uh new light which yep. but if they did do that i think that would discourage a lot of people buying the new expansions if they think they can just wait a couple years and then be able to play it for free mm-hmm. uh so that's a that's an interesting decision right there Nope. rough very rough james tell me a little about a little bit about this i was montreal is going to a four-day work week they're going down from a one of the i'll just read the thing same says, we're delighted to announce a major evolution for our studios. We'll be shifting a four-day work week for to a four-day four work week for all employees. Obviously, we've had questions for Daniel and Fossey, our head of studio. Read on for more details and what follows on Idols Montreal's website as a Q&A, uh, like little FAQ about some of the things saying like, so the first question is, the big news is out. Idos Montreal and Idos Sherbrooke will switch the four-day work week. Can you tell us more about this initiative and how this transition will happen? saying, yes, this initiative is another step toward the embodiment of the studio's values, building a healthy, creative, and sustainable work environment for our employees. Currently, our various teams are working on the development of transition plans to ensure success and maintain the highest standards in the industry. In the next few weeks, the Montreal and Sherbrooke studios will be officially closed on Fridays without changing the working conditions currently in place, nor the salaries of employees, thus switching from the 40-hour work week to 32-hour work week. That's huge. We love to see That's it. That's huge. We love to see it. And this is huge because Montreal is an insanely competitive area for games development. Mm. And so for like Eidos Montreal, one of the biggest developers in Montreal, yeah. to be taking this stance and going toward, moving towards a, a, a um, smaller, short, shorter work week yeah. um, means a lot. And I think... Uh, we've seen that it's proven 
to be helpful for studios yes. with other other um, companies and studios that do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of one right now, but I remember reading a whole article about certain studios in other countries that were on the four day work week and they were significantly more productive yep. um, during the week. Uh, so I really hope that this becomes like mm-hmm. a standard beyond and not. Yeah, I hope it becomes a standard. And I think this next point is important too. Like, in talking about the four-day work week, it yes. says, does this mean that the workload of the teams will have to be condensed within four days? And so the idea, they said, is not to condense the working hours into four ways, but four days, but rather to review our ways of doing things and our quality time invested with the aim of working better. Above all, we want to increase the pro- productivity and well-being of our employees. Concretely, we want to reduce the time at work, but increase the quality of this time invested, whether it's on a team basis or for the studio as a whole, yeah. a promising right balance for everything. We want a real collaborative aspect so that the teams contribute to the transition, each one working to define the parameters and criteria for success for the organization of work and deadlines. We hope that this will eliminate unnecessary time and build on efficiency, for example, by reducing internal meetings from one hour to 30 minutes so small changes like that yes and I like they wrap it up by basically saying we always have the aim of improving the, the quality of life at work and the well-being of our employees so that's at their yes. forefront which is really cool super so, cool um, really happy for that I'm sure that I hope we see like positive effects right away I don't really know the negative effects because I don't work there you know what I mean the negative effects at the five day work week had so mm. I'm hoping that developers share like what changed for them personally within mm-hmm. the four day work week because I think that will um, be seen by other studios and hopefully help, totally. help them yep help get rid of this like crunch culture yeah and it's everybody's favorite time random fun so is it that a story baby james what's the first one various rocksteady devs have released official character right character art for suicide squad kill the justice league you said rocksteady so fast like rocksteady rocksteady yeah so that's exciting genshin impact generates two billion dollars on mobile in the first year yep and Speaking of MiHoYo, they announced a new game, and you can sign up for its beta right now, and it's basically Genshin Impact in space. So if you're into Genshin Impact... I'm going to sign up, baby. I'm down. I'm in. DC Phantom teases Suicide Squad and Gotham Knights new footage. Yes, sir. DC Phantom is on Saturday. Uh, tomorrow. DC Phantom is tomorrow. And so next week, I'm sure we'll be talking a That's lot. That's Saturday, October 9th. Saturday, October 9th. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're watching this next week or listening next week, it's already happened, and you probably already know the news. Uh, and then I already put, we already talked about Bungie, Bungie, so that's that. And that's a wrap, baby, on episode 83 of Checkpoint. James, you have any closing words to tell these people for the end of the week? Thank you so much to our audio listeners. Uh, don't forget to leave a review. Yes, um, super important. Don't forget to subscribe if you're listening to us on YouTube. We passed 900 subscribers yeah. on the Strictly Casual channel. Thank yeah, you guys for that. We are almost YouTube partners. We're getting very close. We're so close. Um, and that's a huge step for us. So thank you. Thank you. If you're an audio listener and you've never checked out our YouTube, it would mean a lot if you would go over there and check it out. Or if you watch on YouTube and you've never checked out the audio podcast, even though you listen here, if you could leave a review for us on audio platforms to bump us up on those charts, baby, that would help a lot. That's great. That would be super helpful. Um, thank you guys again. And we will see you potentially next Friday, potentially sooner because I might have to be on set on Friday, but we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. All right. Love you guys. See you next time.